How's everybody doing? Oh, that was kind of. You sure? <laughs> I thought we, were, you know, we did the kids' song earlier. I thought we were trying to get a little bit of energy going. I felt it. I was enjoying it. So we thought we'd try to do that to incorporate, you know, for some of our kids at home who are watching that they could just have a moment where they could see Becca's face on the screen. You know, they got to see Ben this morning up here leading singing as well, and I just have a moment to sing one of their songs together with their families. And so. We hope that was good for you guys. I don't know which camera to look at, but for those of you at home with, with your kids, we hope that was good. Um, I want to mention too, Brandon, great job this morning on doing family time. Uh, we just, we're trying to give Brandon, he, if, you, if you don't know, he's our youth intern here for the summer, um, working with Ben and our youth group. And so he's been doing a lot of different Bible studies and working with our, with, especially the guys, but with the youth, youth as a whole this summer. And so we, we just decided we'd throw him some extra things to do. You know, he's been up here doing communion and, and ho- giving him opportunities to lead and so we gave him a really tough one today. You know, you had family time, and uh, we gave, if you didn't notice, we gave him a lot of announcements, which is really hard, and I noticed you didn't, I don't think you even looked at your notes or anything. You just had it all up here. He's just sitting here telling you all about it. So I was impressed. That was pretty good, so good job. Y'all give him a hand, because Brandon's doing a great job, and uh, I want to mention Hannah back there, too. She's, she's our uh, children's intern. She's back there running the video switcher, helping us out with AV this morning, so we appreciate her as well for, for being here. All right, so this morning we're going to continue our exploration of the Sermon on the Mount. And so last week I wanted to make a clarification before, because this is my last time to preach on the Sermon on the Mount. I think I said that this was a 10-week series, and I started prepping uh, during, during the week in my office, and I was going, okay, it's week 7, but I'm only halfway through chapter 5. This can't be right. So I, I think it's a 12-week series. I just wanted to clarify that before we continue on. Um, so I'm pretty sure it's 12 weeks, and we'll, we'll go with that for now at least. But if this is your first time joining us uh, this summer, uh, we're studying and memorizing the Sermon on the Mount as a church, and so I hope that for many of you, you've taken that challenge on. Um, At least you're going to try, if you're not going to memorize the whole thing, maybe you're trying to get a piece of it or two there, because I know it's a daunting task, but it's so good uh, when we we move ourselves deep into Scripture uh, as a church family. But but our hope with this uh, sermon series, uh, like we talked about a lot last week, it's that it's that we, we, we remove our perspective, the way that we see the world. And oftentimes the way that we see the world, right, it comes from uh, whatever, whatever leaders we listen to. Maybe it's somebody in the media. Maybe it's people, leaders here in the church. Maybe it's uh, people in our community that we listen to. And they, they help shape our perspective. And so we want to really look just really deeply at Scripture, one of the foundational teachings, the Sermon on the Mount. And we want our perspective uh, to be reshaped by that sermon. And so we reached a place in the Sermon on the Mount a few weeks ago. Uh, where Jesus begins talking about his purpose in the law and how he's come to fulfill it uh, and, and, and his purpose behind all of that. And we talked about the deeper transformation that he's inviting us into. And so after Jesus talks about this uh, passage in the Sermon on the Mount, right, he goes on, we talked about how he goes on to list these different commandments from the Old Testament. Um, for example, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago. Um, Mike talked about this one, you shall not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment, Jesus says, but I tell you, and then he goes on, uh, to expound upon that. You know, he says, last week we talked about, he says that you have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Um, but I tell you, and, and anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you. And so this week we're, we're getting to a fourth command. So, I, you know, I want to make sure everybody understands the framework that we're working within here. Uh, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago. Uh, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows that you have made. And of course, Jesus says, but I tell you, he's got more to say. Uh, and so each week we've been digging deeper into this idea. And so a few weeks ago, 
uh, Gary spoke to us talking about lines and rules and boundaries, and uh, he, he went pretty deep into that, talking about uh, how those affect our, our relationships and how those affect us as individuals. But a couple of th- points that I, I brought from that was that you know, lines make us comfortable. We like lines, and we like rules, and because they're practical, that they make sense to us. They, they give us something to hold on to that, that we, that's very easily understood, right? Uh, but Gary talked to us about how those lines also create tension, and we talked about last week how sometimes if I define my line this way and you put yours this way, they, they kind of butt heads and run into each other. Uh, and then Mike took us even deeper into that idea, talking about uh, how, the, how the rules help us to be better in our relationships with one another. And he talked to us about how that's really what they're all about. You know, it's, it's relationships that really matter not just the rules uh, themselves. We can't, we can't get caught up in that. And so then last week, we took both of those ideas and we talked about them within the context of marriage, uh, talking about adultery and lust, um, talking about how we, we see and, and define other people by our own lines and boundaries instead of God's rules and lines and boundaries. And so we're looking at how these, these rules, they, they help us to be transformed inside of our heart. And so I know that's a lot to give you there, but I, I wanted to to start there and kind of recap where we've been, because that's, that's what's going to bring us into our conversation here, here on oaths. So all of this brings us up to the current week's lesson. And so again, the, the commandment says, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows that you have made. So I'm going to have a little bit of trouble preaching this morning. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, this week started out for me with all sorts of great intentions. So I'll, I'll just tell you a few of them. One of them was that I would show up to my e-group on Tuesday night and that I would have the next section of the Sermon on the Mount memorized. I showed up to e-group, we were there, but I didn't have it memorized. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't keep my word, I didn't keep my commitment there. Uh, another one, I told the James gang that I'd be there on Wednesday and because I let my week get away from me in different ways, I, I didn't make it again. I haven't made it several times this summer. I've told them I would be there. Uh, you know, and then I'll also, I've, I've committed to try to do these weekly update videos on Thursday, and as you noticed, there was not one this week. I scripted it out, and then, because I didn't manage my time well, I, d- I didn't get around to actually getting it done. And so, you know, then I'm reading this verse this week, thinking, okay, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Okay, great. Looking, looking forward to this one on Sunday, right? But, but all of us struggle with this. All of us struggle with this in our lives, uh, with, with keeping our word. And, and in some cases, I almost feel like it's getting harder nowadays. I, I feel like in a lot of ways, I, I, there's probably a lot of reasons out there for it, you know, from the way we're all tied into electronics and our schedules just keep getting busier, that, we, that we're having trouble um, keeping our word and our commitments to people. It seems like trust is dwindling from relationships in different ways, and so people aren't quite as committed to each other as they once were. Uh, they're, they're committing to other things. And so I think, I think this isn't a problem that just, you know, I alone share, right? This is something that all of us uh, struggle with in our lives of keeping our word and, and being people of integrity. Um, and so, but the, bottom, but the bottom line of all of that is that when we, when we break our oath, when we, when we don't keep our word, you know, we're, we're, we're breaking down the trust that's in relationships between people in our world. This can be in our church family, it can be outside of it, it can be anywhere. Uh, so when we're talking about this, there's, there's a question that I want to think through today. And it's, it's how, how do we proclaim God's faithfulness? Because God has pretty good integrity, I think. When we, when we look at the scriptures and the stories and the way he, he rules over us and, and lives in our lives. How, but how do we proclaim his faithfulness through our personal integrity? So that, that's, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Now, I want to I get into the, 
the oath passage a little bit here that I think a lot of us tend to kind of glaze over these scriptures a little bit when we get to oaths, uh, because we live in a different time and place. When I, when I think of oaths or vows, the two words that's, that's in the NIV here, you know, I, I think of like courtrooms and marriage. That's about, the, that's about the only time those words ever come up. And so in my mind, there, there's something that's a little bit outdated, something that I don't really think about a lot. We, we don't make oaths in the same way today uh, that the, they, they did back then. And so I think we have to do a little bit of work uh, to bring these thoughts into the present. So, you know, first of all, in, in Jesus' time, understanding their context, they had a pretty complex system around oaths. Now, I'm, I'm not familiar enough with it to tell you all about it, but, but you can get the general idea that, you know, if you, if you come over here and you swear by your own life, you know, and you swear it in the presence of God, that's, that's pretty serious. You better keep your word. You know, you're, you're putting your life on the line for that one. Uh, whereas, you know, if you come over here and make like a pinky promise, you know, that's not quite quite as serious, and people break those all the time, and so maybe it's not considered as great of a sin, uh, because, you know, I didn't, I didn't put the front out there that, hey, I'm, I'm really serious about this. Uh, and so, so this, this is kind of the context within which they, uh, they looked at oaths. But for us today, you know, like I said, oaths are kind of an out-of-date thing that uh, apply to courtrooms and marriages, and a uh, and uh, things like that. But I, I think there's, there's some other examples of way, the way that oaths work in our country. And I think it works mostly through the law. And when I thought about this, I actually thought it was a little bit ridiculous to think about. On one hand, it makes a lot of sense. So like if I buy a house, I've got, I've got my mortgage with the bank, and so I've promised I'm, I'm going to make these pay, payments, and we, you know, we filled out a stack of papers you're initialing and signing all over the place. You don't even know what you're signing, you know, in order to, to make sure that there's this deal made where we can, we can trust each other. If, if you break your end of the deal, then this is going to happen, and these repercussions, you know. But then it also applies to, to like, going grocery shopping. Have, have any of you gone to buy a pack of gum or something like that? You're, you're buying one item at the grocery store, and the receipt comes out, like, this long. You know, you know what I mean? You're, you're like, why in the world am I carrying this scroll around with me, you know, for, for a pack of gum? But, you know, if you flip it over on the other side, of course, there's coupons on there. They fit all sorts of things on there. But if you flip it on in the back, a lot of times there's some kind of legal jargon about you know, the terms and conditions of your gum purchase, I guess, you know. And so our world is full of these, these oaths that we make every day and every little minor financial transaction uh, that we don't even think about. We just do it all the time. We just go about it in everything that we do. But, but here's the bottom line of that. All of these oaths, these rules, these things that are, that are out there in the world to, to protect us, <clears throat> it points to the truth at the, at the root of it that people can't trust each other. I would love it if I could go to the bank and just by word of mouth, you know, oh, I've got this mortgage and bought this house and they're just going to trust me. I'm not going to sign anything, but I'll, I'll make my payments. I'll be true to my word. Uh, but there's not enough trust in our world for that. And so that's, that's really the root of the problem, right? Is that there's, there's, not, there's not the trust there um, that there should be. And it's something else that's, that's really basic that I think that we need to note about OS is that they're, they're rooted in a relationship. And you may think, okay, why are we even mentioning this? Of course they are. We've already, we've already talked about this. But I think something that's really tempting to do with this passage that I want to move away from, uh, if, if you haven't realized yet, as, he, as Jesus talks about oaths, he gets to the end where he says, let your, the famous line, let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Right? And so this, this is the part that we all take away from this passage. And I know that I've been tempted throughout my life to think of this on very individualistic terms. Like it's just... It's just about me and my integrity, and I need to make sure that I'm true to my word. And I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about how it affects other people and how uh, that integrity is rooted within a communal context of, of being with other people. 
And so I want to talk about that relationship first before we, and then bring us forward uh, in, into, into trust. And I think that's where Jesus takes it, and you'll see what I mean in just a moment. So I, I'm really thankful for um, our scripture reading this morning of, of Psalm 8. Uh, Psalm 8 may seem like a strange place for me to go, like a strange scripture reading. Well, what does that have to do with oaths, you know? Uh, but I think we have to start with those basics there before we can, we can talk about how we practically live out our, our good integrity. And so David, as he writes Psalm 8, this, this is one of my favorites, he, he reflects on the, the grandiosity and the beauty and the complexity of God's world and how great it is in all sorts of ways. You know, you've created the heavens, the moon, and the stars. I mean, this world is just too great for us to fathom. And I'm sure many of you have seen, you know, Planet Earth and the different shows like that that just, they've got the best cameras and the best cameramen, and they just make, capture these beautiful and amazing images of our world. And you're just in awe of how awesome God is. Uh, you can see it right here around you. Uh, here in Tyler, too. Uh, but he does more than that in this psalm. He, and, and this psalm really hits me like a ton of bricks. I, I don't know why, but this line just really, really captures, captures my heart and my attention. So I wanted to read it to you again. Uh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than angels. You've crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all the flocks and herds, the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, and the fish of the seas, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So this is a truly beautiful psalm to me, because one, it recognizes how great and awesome that God's world is. And I think that's something easy enough for us to see, but something I don't think about as often is how God has entrusted every bit of the earth, every bit of the world, every bit of creation to us. And we often think of ourselves in terms of Christians as, uh, you know, it's about, you know, saving souls. We kind of get focused on that. But, and, and that's important. That's a huge part. But that's only a part, a piece of being entrusted with taking care of the entire creation that God has given us. That's an amazing thing. And that's not something we stop to think about very much. And, but that's the original covenant. That's the original oath. That's the place that God put us in in the very, very beginning. And so, David recognizes this is truth, that yes, we have control and authority over the earth. God put things underneath our feet. But then he also recognizes something else in Psalm 24 that comes to my mind, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's all his. Everything belongs to God. And so when we're thinking through the Sermon on the Mount, I want us to keep those two ideas in, in mind, that we've entered into a covenant with God to, to care for his earth to, and, and be his stewards of this place, but also that the earth belongs to God. And I think that we as people, we struggle with that. And, and, and Jesus is, is speaking into that when he says that, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows that you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, do not even swear by your own head, for you, you cannot even make one hair, white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. And anything beyond this, it 
comes from the evil one. So we know that there's already a covenant made. We, we, don't, we don't need more of them. But the second thing that stands out to me is that God owns the heavens and the earth. They are his. And when humans decide that they're going to swear by it, they're, they're taking ownership of it, right? This, this is mine to give away or to exchange in some sense. And it's not. Jesus is saying, don't swear by heaven. It's God's. It's not yours. Don't swear by the earth. It's God's. Don't, don't swear by Jerusalem. It's God's. And he doesn't make it quite as plain in the next line. But I think we're supposed to keep thinking the same thing. Don't swear by your own head. You are God's. You don't, you don't have, every, everything around you isn't, isn't yours. It's not yours to give away. And so this comes up a lot in our day-to-day life, in the way, if it affects the way that we think. So when we're making deals today, you know, do we, do we treat God's property as his or as ours? So when we lend money to someone and they have trouble paying us back, right, I, I get that there's a sense of justice in that. Uh, but, but if I see it as that's my money and this isn't fair to me and I need to take care of, care of this this way, that's a lot different than saying, well, that money is God's in the end. So how am I going to handle this situation now? Uh, we promise, you know, with our time and energy that we're going we're gonna to show up to a party. But how does showing up for that, that party or, or honoring that commitment, how does our view of that change uh, when we think of that time and energy as ours instead of God's? Well, it's, it's mine to keep. I want to use it the way I want to. This, this is mine. But, but Jesus is saying that this stuff isn't yours to, to give or receive. It's God's for you to use and to use well. Um, you know, if we, we agree to work late at work, you know, are we doing... What, what is, are, are we honoring our own time, or are we honoring God's time in that decision? And, and, and I, notice, I want to go back to the rules thing. I, I didn't tell you how to draw the line. I just asked you a question. So some of you may have assumed certain things within that. Uh, but, but it may be different for different people. If you're neglecting your family, and that's what's in your heart, because you're, you're one of those guys who are women who just really likes work, and you're really driven, and you want to be there all the time, uh, then, then maybe... Maybe the thing for you is you need to go home, right? Honoring, your, honoring God's time, not your own. That's what that means for you. But, but some of you may be the other way around. You, you cling to your family and love to be home, and you're, you're leaving a few minutes early all the time because you want to you be home or doing whatever else you want to do. And, and maybe to be honorable with your time is, is, is to stay, to, to be there, and, and to continue to work. Uh, because you've made a commitment to your boss, just like you've made a commitment to your family, right? There's an expectation there, and we... We have to honor those expectations. And so you shouldn't swear on your life, right? You shouldn't swear on the things around you uh, because you don't, you don't even own your own life. These things aren't yours. They're God's. And so we, we've got to live and act and, and believe like those things are God's. So it's, so it's in this world um, that we're talking about oaths. Uh, just, just like last week we talked about, it's, it's within this world that we, we misuse God's things um, in all sorts of different ways. And this is the reason that we make oaths and promises, because we, we can't trust each other. So I've got to boost myself, my image up in some way so that you, you can know and you can understand that, hey, I'm actually going to follow through on this because, well, I haven't on several other things, right? Um, and so most of us, we approach this passage in a way that I think is good. We, we recognize that Jesus is asking us uh, to have integrity. Uh, so each of us, we must stick to our, our word. We must do what's right. I, I think that's good. But there's a couple of problems with that that we've talked about. One is, is that we're not, we're not quite good enough for that. You know, we, we do break our word. We break our integrity. And, and every time we do it, every time, you know, you don't, you don't show up for your coworker or they don't show up for you, right? There's a, there's a breakdown of trust and the wall gets built up just a little bit higher. 
Uh, every time we break our word, uh, trust just disintegrates in light of it. And then the second problem with all, with all this is we're not always in control. Sometimes things happen. Uh, there were probably a lot of commitments you made for 2020 that are just blown out the window right now. I mean, any, anybody, <laughs> you know, you had all these plans made and COVID has changed all of them. Things are completely different now. And so, so we can't always be people of integrity in, in just that perfect sense. And so it's, it's going to require more of us. And I think um, that Jesus is, is getting into this in the Sermon on the Mount. And so the, the question that I posed at the beginning of our lesson was, you know, how do we, how do we proclaim God's faithfulness uh, through our own personal integrity? And so this question can be easy in one sense, you know, just be a person of integrity. But I think Jesus is going to invite us into something deeper uh, when we look at next week's lesson where he talks about grace. He talks about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I, I think there's a very important reason why these two lessons are right next to each other. And we don't want to lose sight of one for the other as we're, as we're talking through this. So, you know, all of us, we struggle in our relationships to, to trust one another. It's like we talked about last week. We, we all see the world differently, and this, this leads to different struggles. Um, and we, so, so if we want to rebuild trust in our relationships, what do we do, right? So what do, what do we practically do to rebuild trust um, with someone who's lied to us, a friend, spouse? Uh, what do we do to re- rebuild trust with a coworker, um, someone, someone that— Maybe that we don't feel like they have our back at work or a boss that we feel like uh, breaks that trust with us. Um, so practically speaking, I think there's three things that, I, that came to mind that we can do. And, and two of these, like I said, they get into next week's lesson on grace. And so one is, well, you just do the right thing. You just let your yes be yes and your no, no. You do, you do what you ought to do. Uh, if, if we all could just see the, see the world the way that God sees it, if we could just profess what God sees and do what God does, I think this is the most practical application from the sermon and the one that most people take away from it. It means let your heart be transformed and follow the rules. Be mindful of the things that you commit to and, and don't, don't break those things. Uh, but the problem is, like we said, in order for this to work, 100% of the time we've got to do the right thing. Otherwise, our trust is going to disintegrate and, and the wall is going to build. We need something more. And I think that's, that's why Jesus talks about grace in the next passage, because all these, all these ideas connect together. You know, your, your marriage, it, it requires you making a very serious commitment. It requires you to keep that commitment, but it's also going to require grace, right? It's also going to require forgiveness. And so I think one of the things that we have to do is also to, to amend our personal mistakes. Uh, a lot of times we as people, we try to lie or cover up our mistakes to protect our integrity. This is something that I thought about that I thought was very strange. Uh, and kind of interesting. I mean, even within this week, I, I thought on Thursday when I didn't get the weekly update done, I'd, turn, I'd told Tim Kirksey I was going to get it done that day. And so I texted him and I told him, you know, I, I blamed it on the external circumstances, which is true. There were some things outside of my control that made it very difficult for me to do that. But I didn't own up to the fact that throughout the week, I, I didn't manage my time very well. I allowed people to pop into my office and ask me to go and do things. And I said yes to them that you know, weren't quite as important as getting that weekly update done. And so then I get to the end of the week and I'm scrambling and trying to get things done. But, but I didn't want anyone to know about that part. You know, I didn't want anyone to know that I made the mistake. So in order to protect my face and my integrity, I'm going to, right, you know, spin the truth a little bit. You know, maybe it's not fully a lie, but, you know, it's not the full truth either. And it's just interesting that we as people, in order to protect our integrity, we, we completely do the opposite. You know, we aren't truly honest with the people around us. And so one of the ways that I think that we can, we can invite more integrity and trust into our world is to have grace for ourselves 
and to recognize that we make mistakes and we need to be honest and have integrity about those mistakes and, and, and be, be willing to be able to say, hey, I messed up. I, and a lot of us don't think of the power of that statement, but, but it invites trust between people because I can, I can know that you are honest uh, in the way that you deal with things and the way that you talk to me and the way that you share things with me because you're willing to admit uh, that you make mistakes. And that's a very difficult thing to do because in our minds, our way of seeing it is it's the opposite. You know, if I lie or make something up or twist it just a little bit, you know, that protects me. And uh, people will think that I'm a, I'm a person of integrity because they won't see uh, the real me. And so we have to be willing to trust, and that's hard. We have to be willing to, willing to have grace for ourselves. The third thing that I thought of with this is, is to give grace to other people. Um, in, order, in order to be a person of trust in yourself, and there they are, I was, I was wondering about that. <laughs> in order to, to be a person of trust in yourself, and others. Uh, you have to be trustworthy, not only in the sense that you do the right thing, not only in the sense that you have grace for yourself, but that you have uh, grace for others. Um, can other, and the big question here is, can others trust you, right? If you want to build integrity with other people, uh, can they know that they can come and share with you their mistakes and their successes? Can they, can they share with you their, their joys and their sorrows? Uh, are you a person who's really going to listen and hear them? Are they a safe place and a person that you can come, that they can come and talk to? Uh, can, you, can they always trust that you'll give them the grace when they've made a mistake? Um, because, because giving grace to others continues to build that trust because then they're more okay with being honest with you. And a lot of times, again, I don't, I don't think this is something that we think about when we think about integrity. We just think about, well, we just all need to do the right thing. But I think Jesus is telling us that we want to rebuild trust in our world. It's going to take more than that. It's going to, have to take having grace for ourselves and grace for others. It's going, to, it's going to take us sharing in those things and having those honest conversations and being real with one another and recognizing the brokenness of our world. God has given us a great responsibility uh, to rule over the earth, and, and every single one of us in this room have not done it. Every single one of us in this room are, do not live as the people of integrity. We don't let our yes be yes. We don't let our no be no. And so the problem is a lot bigger than just simply doing the right thing every day. It's going to take a lot of forgiveness. It's going to take a lot of grace. It's going to take a lot of honest conversations to rebuild uh, that integrity in each of us. And so, I'm, again, I'm pulling from next week's lesson a little bit and talking about this, but I think these are important. These two thoughts are important to connect together. Um, you know, for example, marriage, like we said, it requires oaths. And oaths, they require grace to work properly in our world uh, because we're imperfect people and we fail time and time again. Um, so being a follower of Jesus, it's, it's about much more than being right. Again, we're, we're right back here where we started. It's about much more than the rules and the boundaries and the lines. Uh, it's about much more than just simply sticking to your word. Yes, it's about that, uh, but it's also about having grace when you don't. And it's also about having grace when others don't. So yes, stick, stick to your word in everything, but when you or someone else fails, uh, proclaim to them God's faithfulness. Show them God's faithfulness, the grace that he has for us uh, in the way that you treat and honor them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us this time to, to come together uh, to praise your name. And God, I hope that, that in our song and in the energy that we're uplifted during this time. Uh, God, I pray that you can help us to be people of integrity, that you can help us to be people who uh, honor, stick, honor and stick to our word, to stick to your word and the task 
that you have given us. God, I I pray that we act responsibly with the things and the world that you have given us, this beautiful creation. I I pray that we we recognize the goodness of it, uh, but but that we also recognize the immense responsibility that comes with that. Uh, And God, in all things, we, we know that we fail you. We know that we fail you time and time again. And so we just pray. Uh, we know that you give us grace and that and we thank you for that grace so much and, and how it heals our hearts and transforms our hearts. And so, God, we just pray that that grace that transforms us and allows us to offer grace to ourselves and, and the people around us uh, so that we can con- continue to grow in trust with one another and, and be people of greater integrity. God, we thank you so much for your example of Jesus on the cross and how he came and, and, and just stuck to and stuck to your word and your promises and your truth with perfection and just absolute integrity. We thank you so much for his example and the chance that it gives us to become more and more like you each day. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.